welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho. Josh, what's going on, man? I mean, it's a weird time because we're not actually recording after a game, right? But we are mm-hmm. um, going to be talking midweek, right? This is like that midweek Champions League, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, just trying to get some stuff out there. I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's always good to be here. Not quite midweek. We got to get back on tomorrow. But we have we've been trying to get to this episode for a while now. We finally locked down the guest. We're also joined by Ben Cox, the self-styled uh, MLS rules expert and and roster guru. Uh, you've probably seen some of his work. I, I know that he's like all over uh, LAFC Reddit, always schooling people on like LAFC's roster and who fits in where and what kind of budget charge it is. So we're thrilled to have Ben here. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome aboard. Uh, we're thrilled to get into this. I think, uh, as Josh and I always talk about, we think the MLS rules are uh, overly convoluted, too difficult to really understand. They cause GMs to get in, in essentially Twitter wars, as we've seen this week with Ernst Tanner and uh, John Thorrington. Uh, and we all, and we know that every team is cheating them in some form or fashion. Um, it's like this open secret, right? It's like, oh, well in 1998, everybody was taking steroids in baseball, but nobody wanted to talk about it. And here we are 24 years later in MLS and people are cheating things. Some people call it out. Some people don't, some people get offended. So we just want to, we want to help people understand what is going on in MLS. So we're thrilled to have you. Um. Yeah, so let's just dive right into this. Uh, maybe, maybe you can walk us through the wave tops of like overall salary uh, cap and kind of like individual budget charges and stuff like that. Just give us the yeah. the thirty thousand foot view, if you will. Sure. Yeah. I. I. Again, I'm no like qualified analyst on this. Nobody I is. Just, Nobody yeah, is. Exactly. I. I occasionally find myself reading through the roster rules because they are so long and convoluted, and I, I just want to understand how we pay players, what we pay them, and how we can and can't get certain ones. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the gist of it is the basics. Every team can have up to thirty players, but only 20 of them count against the roster cap. And so MLS is trying to be like all other American leagues or many of them and say, we want everyone to be equal. Let's just allow a certain amount of money to come through the team. And then that way the rosters will all balance each other out. Um, So I think right now, and and I'll be a little loose with numbers because it's, they're silly at times. Uh, Yeah. The roster allocated money for each team is 4.9 million towards the senior cap. And that's those 20 players. Um, okay. It doesn't count the 10 supplemental players. So we're already complicated. Um, <laughs> and then so let me stop of, you. Let me stop yeah, you right yeah, there. Totally. What qualifies a player to be a supplemental player or what would necessitate somebody to be a senior player? Um, Can we do that succinctly or is that going to, is that going to take us down? Base, a hole? Yeah. Yes and no. <laughs> the basics are their salary is one identifier and age is another, as well as like you've got homegrowns, which is a whole other MLS mm-hmm. thing where you get like the right to a player 
based on either where they've been training or grown up. And yeah. so there's like territories. It's like how we got Bryce Duke from RSL's homegrown. There's like, like a pay whole him bunch. 50,000 a game to get him to <laughs> yeah. get those rights to get the rights. When uh, I explain that rule to like the parents at my, at the club that I run, they are furious by the way. Oh, like, yeah. So I live again, I live in Arizona and I, I'll, I'll put up the map and I'll be like, if your kids want to play top flight football, soccer in the U S somebody that's going to have to be for RSL or somebody is going to have to pay RSL for them. And they're always like, wait, even if they don't play for an RSL club, I'm like, yeah, that's just, just the way it is. That's like, if you want to play in MLS, that's what it is. And they, yeah. they, they're furious. Sorry. That was a tangent. No, no. And I've heard like a lot of that's going to move away, especially with how MLS is like growing and trying to create a better system. So it's not just so odd and random in that, that way. Um, yeah. Better would yes. be a strong word. What's I think that? It's, I think better is a strong word in terms of what they're trying to <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, it's call. it's yeah. more of a controlled system. Yes. Um, you know, and, and at least one that a controlled system that makes a little bit more sense than the current one they have. That's probably it's gonna the be a, yeah, it. It's going to be like college, you know, like you're going to get to declare when you're, you have to declare by the time you're 14 or something and everybody's going to line up with a bunch of hats and put them on. And if you want to trade after that, then you got it. You know, it'll be, it'll be unnecessarily difficult. Oh yeah. There, but quote there unquote be better. New, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Sorry. So basically, no, you're good. The those like ten supplemental players, they're like luxury players for the team. They're they're usually either out of college, we've drafted them, they're homegrowns, or they're part of the academy that we've brought up, or um I'm trying to think of any other examples. Uh I think Danny, usually is Danny Musovsky currently yeah. a supplemental player? Yeah, exactly. Okay, and so maybe somebody it, who comes up from from USL at a at yeah. a later time or something like that can also USL is is usually a good pathway into like supplemental. I, and I think okay. again, this is all super complicated because there's also three designations of supplemental players that occupy <laughs> roster spots like twenty through twenty four and twenty five through twenty. So I won't get into the weeds there, but it's uh, basically they're players who have promise have a really generously low salary and uh, their contracts are usually decently long. So a team yeah. can hold on to them for a decent amount of time before they hit free agency or get bought out. I think Raheem was one last year and then you hit free agency. Okay. So, um, so, I mean, essentially you have these 10 spots where you can stash somebody. It's like a, they could be a speculation, like a speculative signing or something from USL or, again, one of your homegrowns or something where they don't count against that 4.9 million salary cap. Right. Um, and if they hit, you're probably going to like, it's a huge, it's a huge deal to have somebody oh, yeah. hit from those spots because you essentially are getting them for free. I mean, great example, Mamadou Fall or Danny, you know, yeah, like yeah. we've got players on this roster or even like Opoku and Opoku is a supplemental player. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. So and, and this is another gray area I'm not positive on because last season he wasn't uh, because our <laughs> roster was all kids and all uh, Las Vegas Lights players to end the season. Uh, um, right. Okay. But I am guessing either new contract or new year, there's a way to just like based on their age and salary that you can place them back into that position, if that makes sense. Right. Right. Okay. So yes. Start with 30 players. Mm -hmm. 10 of them are supplemental and the other 20 
hit a 4.9 million salary cap. Correct. So let's get into those 20. Uh, I think everybody knows about the DP rule, right? You can have, you can have three guys that you pay whatever you want. Essentially, they're only going to hit at a certain budget charge, which I think is like the maximum salary or something like that, right? Yeah. Why did you walk Players, us through the, those mechanics there? Yes. I, from my understanding, the maximum salary that you can pay someone before you start dipping into those other monetary buckets is like 612000 mm-hmm. So that is as high as they can make. And so when you get a DP, you know, for instance, Vela makes like $4 million a year, and then he only counts against the uh, budget at 612000 Okay. So you, the reason everyone talks about DPs so much and how important they are is that they're, you only get three of them if you right. have three, which is a rarity for us lately. And uh, they just have to hit because their quality and their price tag is so much higher than the collective group. Yeah. I mean, what's finite is the number of DPs that you can have. Doesn't matter if you pay them 10 or 20 or 100 million. Uh, it's really, I mean, unless your owners are running out of money, um, which I don't think LAFC has that problem, but, uh, essentially it's the roster spot that is finite that you have to really worry about. So when you have Andrew Horta eating one of those roster spots, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Josh, are you following along here? Do you? Yeah. Well, cause I think <laughs> right, cause the, the big thing right there is where, right. Where you don't hit on that DP, right. You could have not paid that max that 650 budget charge and brought in what three Cebus or Kellan Acosta guys that are making you know or at least maybe not Kellan Acosta because I think he's in that TAM level mm-hmm. now but when he for you know some of these like MLS guys that have been around for the while the Stephen Betashores of the world that are 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 um they are MLS starters for the majority of the teams in the league right um you lose out on that ability to sign those guys for maybe two hundred fifty thousand. I think like, Walker was on that contract. I think when he first came on, before yeah. he before he, I think they moved into a TAM deal at one point, right? So that that's where it starts to hurt you, where that it's so you become so top heavy that the bottom actually is is now having to be filled with supplemental players, right? Where you're bringing in those guys at the lowest possible budget charge, rather than rather than you know these guys are gonna you know that are gonna fill out that middle, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I get like doing some back of the napkin math here. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have your three DP, if you have three, all three DPs filled, you're already at $1.8 million, you know, off the, off that salary cap. So you got 3.8. Wait, what did I say? You have 3.1 left, right? So this is what Josh is talking about. Like, you have to. You can't just fill it up with a bunch of guys. Like you couldn't even buy a full team and buy them down with all the gam and tam in the world because they're still going to hit the roster at that level. I think. But maybe that maybe that takes us into our next part of the conversation. Is yeah. Um, well, I, maybe I should ask you: Is it better to get into the U twenty two initiative or gam right now? <laughs> let's so you know. Much. Let's do U twenty two. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All these, let's do U twenty two because I think it's a, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, so U22's a newer thing that they introduced, and it's it's it almost follows what LAFC was already trying to do mm-hmm. um, with like how they acquired Rossi and Rodriguez and just looking for young talent 
overseas. Because well, they to just bring grandfathered in. everybody in anyway, right? That they by the time oh, the league yeah. announced this, they just grandfathered yes. a bunch of players into the yeah, program. Yeah, so for those listening, if they don't know, the the current three U twenty two players on the LAFC roster as of a few days ago is uh, it was Sefuentes, uh, Palacios, and Janela. And when they were acquired, U twenty two, I don't believe had been instated, but no. then they were able to be like put into that role. But basically, what it allows is uh, it allows a team to bring in a player overseas on a friendlier salary budget charge than they normally would be. Um, and the way it hits is basically if the player is under 20, it counts only as 150,000 against the roster cap. And if they're under 25, between 21 and 25, uh, it's 200,000 regardless of what they're getting paid. Cause I remember right. everyone was sort of like croaking about how much Janela makes, but yeah, he was uh, on like half a million, right? And yeah, playing. I think more. Yeah, and um, closer to six hundred. And, and I think I think his transfer fee was two and a half million as well. Right. And I know that, and I don't expect you to know this, but I know that with MLS too, like if you pay a huge transfer fee, that's rolled into the budget charge as well against the salary cap in some form or fashion. And essentially, with the U twenty two players, you can pay whatever transfer fee you want. You can pay them whatever salary you want to probably a certain extent. Yeah, and it's like, it's I think only... to max, I think it's to the 600 salary. Okay, so you can pay them up to 600 grand and it only hits you at 150. Uh, yeah. And then you also, but in order to enable this roster mechanism, <laughs> because we it, again, it needs to be more complicated. One of those three DPs has to be a U22 DP, right? So yeah, I- so... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and that's why I sort of wanted to tie these together, because one thing that I think we're all echoing is how well Thorington has done this year with building a team. And that also includes understanding all these absurd mechanisms. But, you know, if uh, some teams have three DPs, but they're all over 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And so in that scenario, you're only allowed one U22 player. I believe. Oh, so you still uh, get one, no matter what. Yes, I, I you get one, I guess, regardless. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, um, you get two additional ones if you sign a U twenty two DP. Correct, or if you only have two DPs and not filled all three. Oh well, this is like John Thornton's greatest dream ever. Like, yeah. So he's he's basically <laughs> structured it in a way okay. that he can like always have all three of these. Yeah. But, yeah. But like a team like the Revolution, they just, I think, got their third DP who's older and that voids them from having two more U22s. But yeah. I think uh, Bruce was just like, I don't care. I want who I want. So. Yeah, it's a very Bruce Arena thing. Yes. Um, speaking of the Revolution, just tonight, they, they scored this incredible team goal. I mean, inc- I don't know if either of you watched that that match against Philly. But I mean, it was like a 20-pass sequence back to the keeper multiple times. Uh, build up all the way through the midfield, back out to the right wing, goal at the end, and then just got crushed in like 10 minutes. It's like the most Bruce Arena thing ever. Like you score this amazing goal and then fall to pieces. Yeah. Uh, it just made me happy just because I don't like <laughs> Bruce Arena. But um, anyway, so here's where LAFC stands. Right now they have two DPs, Carlos Vela and uh, and uh, Brian Rodriguez. Brian Rodriguez, right? One of those is U22. 
also at this point, apparently they, they're double covered on the U22 initiative because there was only two of them. So then you have three of these players that are hitting you at a very low cap, uh, cap charge, and you can chart, you can spend whatever you want on them. Right. And those three guys are Palacio, Sifu and Janela was Janela. Uh, I guess if he comes back, he'll still, uh, he'll still count against us at a higher rate. But, uh, for those who don't know, Janela was transferred to Nacional in Uruguay uh, on, well, not transferred, but loaned. So he's there for a year. Um, so now he's off the books. Uh, so technically, LAFC could go out and find another U22, and they can pay whatever transfer fee they want. They can pay him up to six hundred grand, and he's only going to hit the he's only going to hit the the budget at one hundred fifty or two hundred, something negligible, right? Yeah. Um, so you can squeeze him in under the cap, but you could be looking at a player that's really good. Like, let's just, I'm just going to throw, he's the first guy that comes to mind. You say, all right, we lost, we lost uh, Janela. Let's go get uh, Gio Reyna, right? We're just going to swing for the fences. We're going to go get Gio Reyna. And you could squeeze him onto the roster for next to nothing. Yeah. It making sense? Yeah. I, I think like a, a player that we could use that's on another team under this, thing is uh like santiago moreno on the timbers is like a really promising u22 player Uh, i think to your point with geo i don't know what his like his wages might be too high yeah Yeah. he he seems like someone who's probably getting up there in terms of pay but yes as an example yes that is you'd have to convince him to play for 612 or lower (laughs) exactly yeah um or whatever those uh under the table deals that everyone assumes is happening. Um, (laughs) But the, the main point being is in my opinion, the U 22 is like, it's everyone should be trying to fill all three of these. It is the most forgiving and like best talent finding uh, option for the roster outside of DP. And as we've seen, like most of the big DPs are not hitting. And I don't know if that's because we're overpaying old people or, it, they're they're coming into a league and not understanding it or I, I'm not sure, but I feel like the U twenty two players are finding their footing and year yeah. after year. Josh and I were kind of talking about this this week, um about about DPs and I d I don't know, Josh, what do you think? Is it just is it just going after old guys that you know we're in the right system or something, or is it what what's going on with that? I mean I think a lot of it has to do with the current roster like people trying to figure out this the way that these roster builds occur, right? Because I think rewind a year and a half ago and we hammered JT incessantly about how bad the roster build was. Right. And yeah. It was imbalanced. It was, you know, too heavy on the speculative signings. But honestly the U the U the U twenty two initiative basically gives him that ability to still find these speculative options and then also hedge against it with with the rest of the roster build, right? So because the rest of the roster, you can bring in those those guys, you know, those MLS guys, the Hollings heads of the world. The you know, obviously Acosta costs you a little bit more, but then you have these these TAM mechanisms. I don't I don't even know what his ultimately what his salary is. I know he's a TAM player, but they were able to buy a certain amount of that down, right? Like I think his salary is like one point one or something like that. But you know, are they buying that down to the six or are they buying that down below? I don't know how how that would work but ultimately i think i think it's a matter of when you bring in a guy 
if you if you just take a you know random MLS team and stick XDP in there that's coming from here, if you don't have an infrastructure to support it, what what good are they? Right? Like we've we've kind of talked about you know that Malcolm Gladwell theory of like the weak, soccer being a weak link sport, right? Your most important player is not the top end in your roster, but the bottom end of the roster, and we saw that kill us in in CCL, right? Like how many times did you know did you hammer Mark Anthony K for just not being of the quality to yeah. no fault of his own, right? It's yeah. just a matter of you know th- this is just to what his level was, right? Versus if you bring in a guy like Acosta in that same situation. Who's a national, you know, a national, I guess technically K is too, but you know, you you bring in a class of whose profile and level seems to be higher than that of K, um, it gives you a different dimension, right? And I, and I think it's just a matter of a lot of the GMs and, and presidents, and then depending on the situation with the coaches, right? Where do the coaches know how to build a team within the roster mechanism, within the current roster yeah. mechanism? Because then you look at look across the street at you know, that Carson, right? Like Chicharito can, you know, has shown the ability to score, but there's no one to provide him service. Yeah. So what, what good does he do if there's no one there to set him up? Well, that's, right? yeah, I think, I think they're a great example because Chicharito is, we know he's a great poacher. We know he is a great goal scorer, but that's it. There's nothing else. But just a couple of years ago, they had an even better goal scorer in Zlatan, right? Who, didn't matter what kind of ball you gave him, that thing he was going to finish it, right? And so, it, I, I think I think that is a great example of if the pieces aren't around somebody who's not absolutely world class, then it's not going to work. Like it's just not. And you're still, yes, you can pay these DPs a ton of money, but you still have to convince them to come here and play, right? Um, that's why I think a lot of uh, you know I, I like to harp on like the second rate Argentines that. <laughs> that MLS teams love to go get, right? Diego Valeri was here in this league forever and is like, I don't know, 100 goals and assists or whatever whatever the stat is for him. But it's like, that guy that guy never did anything for Argentina, right? And most, most people in Argentina probably don't even know who he is. But he was like one of the best players in MLS for a long time. I mean, so. what the best, some of the best DPs in the league have not been the guy you've heard of. It's been the guy that didn't make it, right? It yeah. was... Carlos Vela, to a certain degree. Um, yeah. Joseph Martinez, right, at his peak. Those are both um, good was, examples. Was yeah. another guy, at, I think, at Atlanta, just never really took mm-hmm. off and came back here and became, you know, the goal-scoring king yeah. right, until he got yeah. hurt. And then, you know, when you kind of look across the league and how these things are done, I think, you know, like I said, I think the in terms of roster build, right, Seattle, unfortunately, it's still the model, right? Unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, right, like, the, their model is the one that demonstrates the most sustainability, right? Where it's not, you know, like obviously Rui Diaz had a big, we talked about this, um, had a big World Cup, but again, most people hadn't heard of him until he had signed, yeah, right? Or until yeah. that until that World Cup cycle. Um, and and same thing goes for, you know, Nico Lero. I had no mm-hmm. idea who he was. Like maybe if you're like, you know, LAC Uruguay or one of these, you know, like and you're following it close, but ultimately, um, you know, like I said, it, I, I don't necessarily, I think it's a lot of it is trying to balance the marketing with the roster build. Yeah. Right? Like, and I think the upside of being at LAFC is like the, the, there's enough football nerds, 
to understand that you don't need, a, you know, it's, this is not FIFA, right? We're not trying to fill out a best 11 at every position, yeah. right? Like, because when, when we were rejoicing when they brought in an Acosta, we were super happy when they brought in an Escobar, right? Because that, the, it just raises the floor so much, right? I think having yeah. a high floor within the league play, at least, is m- almost more important than having a high ceiling. But to a certain degree, right, you're starting to see it pay dividends across the board, even against the Mexican teams, where some of these teams that have overspent, right, but haven't done enough to take care of whether it's the academy system or or, or just their player development for the, the back end of the roster, right, just ultimately comes back to bite you at a certain point. Yeah. So guys that have shown a little bit of a top level before, don't certainly don't stay at that top level um, and maybe looking for a move. Josh is putting the hard sell for Ross Barkley to LAFC. I just, <laughs> I just want to point that out. <laughs> anyway, so we've gone through DPs. We've gone through U22s. Uh, currently, again, LAFC, maybe we recap here. I guess only four. They have, So they have one of each of those spots open, right? Vela and, and Rodriguez are the DPs. Open DP spot. Plus, uh, now there's an open U22 spot. And I think that's possibly the most exciting one for me. I mean, we may or may not fill that other U, that other DP slot in the summer. Um, but there's there's possibility there to go grab, pay a big transfer fee and pay some 20-year-old kid 500 grand a year to, to come play in the midfield or whatever it is. Um, so... Ben, what else? What else do we need to know about? Let's. I guess now is when we get into Tam and Gam. Now, as I understood it, Tam went away, and it's all Gam at this point. Um, Tam is going away, but they're like slowly receding it and turning oh, okay. it into okay. an increased Gam yearly. Yeah, it, it, they're silly. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Tam, they call targeted allocation money, and it is used to like acquire players as well as like bring down their budget but then like okay. gam does that too so it's there's there's specifics that i just have not wasted my time to really iron out yeah. other than yeah. like there are certain areas you can use tam that you can't use gam um okay. and a lot of that from my understanding is like like the bales and Chiellinis, like getting guys from overseas and then buying down their costs okay um whereas i think gam you could like use it for instance, Vela is 612 against the salary cap. You could just throw 300k gam at his salary just to open up more space. Okay. Got it. Something like Got that. Um, uh, and the, the other thing with the U22 is just as a reminder, like having all three of those filled on the salaries those guys made, we saved seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars against the salary. So, like that's just a good example of there's two players that you can now add to your roster at, you know, at like a Latif level because you've moved and acquired these types of guys. So um, that's why I agree with you. Like I'm more excited about that spot sometimes because you can totally swing and miss and it's not detrimental, but you can also find yourself with a Sifu and a Palacios who were, you know, all-star worthy players after a couple of years of training, you know, man, John just loves going two for three. Like <laughs> yeah. he's just so good at it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's like the best batting average in, in the history of baseball. 
There you go. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. So I think if I remember correctly, too, Tam, like nobody's going to use it to buy like player rights or something like that, right? Like they're not going to spend Tam to get discovery rights for Cristiano Ronaldo Correct. because yeah. Inter Miami discovered Cristiano Ronaldo before LAFC did. I think Tam is truly just, and I may be wrong on some of the aspects here, but it's truly just for like acquiring players and buying down their fees. Okay. And it's usually overseas, I believe. Uh, I think GAM is all like interleague. Okay. Um, so this year, every team got 2.8 million Tam on top of their uh, roster max. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I believe everyone gets like 1.6 million GAM. Okay. And that so everyone essentially started out this year with like 9.3 million in value yeah um and then you acquire extra gam through sales and we've right, seen that with right. some of the players we shipped off even players like atuesta who mm-hmm. is sold i believe for four million you're able to as a club once you like recoup expenses convert that some of that to gam and i think it was like up to a million Right. Um, so rather than rather than, you know, paying a dividend to all the owners, you just you just say we're going to reinvest and we'll turn it into this MLS funny money. And. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm surprised nobody's started a crypto yet called like <laughs> yeah. Tam or Gam. This is just dawning on me right now. Like it oh. absolutely needs to be a cryptocurrency <laughs> Why out not? there. That a bunch of like loser MLS fans, like we all like just sink our fortunes into it, <laughs> hoping we go to the moon or something. Well, I um, think the the Tam Gam thing, right? I think they had initially even with Walker Zimmerman, that was a problem, right? When part of why he ended up getting traded was that they couldn't, I believe they weren't able to give him a raise via Tam because that's specifically reserved for international transfers. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so that was part of why they ended up having to trade him to Nashville. Because Nashville could use, they they made him a DP. Yeah, yeah, right. So then there were there was a little bit of that that kind of played into some of the played into, and then like you can bring in Mario for with that with that same yep. with that same mechanism. Oh, I hate this league. <laughs> yeah, I hate this league. <laughs> it's just the worst. It's uh, okay. So you can use MLS funny money to buy down contracts to pay for transfer or you know whatever you have to do for transfer fees. It's what enables you to sign Gareth Bale on what is presumably $1.6 million for the year. And he only hits the budget at 612 because you spend a million in Tam or Gant, whatever, whatever funny money you, you, you use, whatever combination of it. Uh, that's how you fit him under the salary cap. Um, same with Giolini, um and, you know, other, other players as well. So like, Jordan Morris is on a on a contract above six hundred thousand dollars. I think Christian Roldan is at this point as well. Uh, these are players that Josh and I always talk about. Like those are your bonus players, similar to the U twenty twos, where it's like if those guys hit, and you can have an American that doesn't take an international. Oh, we should talk about international slots. Yeah, too. we should. Uh, you have the, an American player who doesn't take this finite resource from you, uh, and still hits the budget at something small. Then it's all gravy. Um, okay. Okay. I think. <laughs> and as a, like a quick refresher is uh, from my very quick tally of like our 20 senior roster spots. Um, 
what we're afforded in a year without selling anyone mm-hmm. uh, is 9.3 million. And what our roster total, from my understanding, just last year's or the early this year's MLSPA, and then guessing what uh, Chiellini and, and Baylor are making, is we're at 9.2 million. So, okay. Um, but again, that's guessing because I don't know yeah, yeah. fully what those guys are getting um, yet. But just to sort of calm any of the like voodoo, uh, whatever uh, Thorrington was able to pull off if, outside of that, their salaries actually do add up to what a te- any team could be paying right now. I mean, yeah. if, if Zlatan got a, what is it, a, a club in Sweden? Yeah. Right, from, a, from, 50% from, of a club in Sweden. Right. From, then, that he then, like, co-owns with AEG. Then yeah. Bale has to be getting 50% of the LA Country Club. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Like, Top so, Golf just went in. Uh, there you go. Oh, yeah, that, exactly. That's perfect. Top Golf so, franchise. Just so everybody knows, let's clear the air on this. Uh, MLS has long dealt with teams finding under the table deals, right? The, uh, the assumption is always that like with galaxy, for example, there's always like some contract like, Oh, well you'll be paid this much money, but you're also going to have this massive Herbalife contract. I mean, well, but David Beckham got a team in the league as part of his contract. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like he had the option to buy a franchise, right? And like, then he's the one that got caught with all that. Yeah. <laughs> he's the one that got caught for all these shenanigans. For sure. So, one thing that so one one place I want to point everybody is uh, if you want to make your head spin, uh, the allocation disorder podcast from Sam Stagecole and Paul Tenorio. You can find it from on the Total Soccer Show uh, RSS feed, and they talk about this stuff all the time. One thing that I love about them is they're guys that have covered MLS for a long time, and they hate these rules just as much as everybody else. They think it's completely nonsense. And even their heads spin when they talk about it. They just did a show where they talked about the Ernst Tanner and JT dust up. Um, and they uh, they basically said, you know, whenever you poll GMs, they all say that this stuff is going on, right? So for Ernst to like part of the reason that the Ernst Tanner is so out of line is because like he's probably doing it too, and he's just complaining that like JT did it better, essentially. Whether or not JT went, you know, JT goes on Voices of the Black and Gold and says, "Hey, everything's above board." I look. I have I have no reason not to believe him. Like I, I don't I don't see these contracts. I don't know what's going on, but um, there's always been funny business about all this in MLS. So I, I guess time will tell. But for right now, Gareth Bale is black and gold, and we're innocent. So I mean, yeah, I I, I wonder if it honestly could be as simple as like we know you love LA. Um, I'm friends with executives at these other, uh, ad firms that would love to have you partner with their product. And it's just like, yeah. go talk to them, you know, uh, I'll make these meetings happen. And it's nothing like actually sinister. It's more just like, we know that this city can offer you things that you're looking for. And right. Or I mean it. the promise of, you know, next year you're going to be a DP and we're going to pay you. I mean, honestly, Gareth Bale is the biggest would be the biggest DP ever, right? He's got to be. I mean, Zlatan was a little bit over the hill at that point, but like assuming Gareth Bale stays at the level that we all think he's at and you sign him to a DP contract, 
why wouldn't he be paid $15 million next year? I think that's what everyone's like losing their mind about because I would agree with you. And it's, it is a, why is this guy coming here for like $1.6 million for a year? Yeah. Yeah. And, right. but maybe it is future promise or maybe it is yeah. just, uh, getting away from Spain media because they ridiculed him relentlessly. So, yeah. And I mean, who knows what he was going to get paid if he went to, if he went back to England, I, I don't know what that was, but I, I doubt, I, it, I doubt up, it was going to be 32 million. No, exactly. I, I have a feeling the stock fell pretty hard, <clears> but I think what was Cardiff was the other team he was up for because yeah. he'd get to play at home, but their mm-hmm. highest paid player I think is making like 2.3 million. So it's not there like, yeah. it's not like he was going to go there and make, 20 million in Cardiff it was that again is a place he would have moved because I think he just wants to be somewhere else or maybe somewhere friendlier yeah it's a perfect storm I mean there's a perfect storm for major league soccer at this point totally right and shout out to the voice of black and gold and I'm um what's called Nick um formerly LAFC Hawaii and I've been chatting about a couple of these things and the one thing that we had pointed out was that in the the oper- the market capture opportunity in this moment for the league has never been higher, in yeah. the sense that you never you'll never have this opportunity where so many free agents actually willing to come. Not free agents, just players are willing to come to Major League Soccer because of the timing of the World Cup, right? So you yeah. add this World Cup timing thing where Major League Soccer is the only league that's going to allow you to play all the way up until the start of the World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. From now until then, and it's you know it's come and then yeah, and if you're going to do it, you know, do it in a league where you're not going to get you know you're going to be catching studs up tackles every week, right? If you're like in the championship, uh, and so again, I think it's just again ultimately, I think it becomes this this perfect storm where it's just a matter of being able to capture it, right? And yeah, and we we all know that. Our our owners are extremely well connected within the city, expect you know, and not even our owners. Like when you just start with Rich and Larry Bird, those two know everyone in this mm-hmm. in this town, and so there's going to be opportunities there. And then at, now add that on top of the, the the actual owners, right? And it now becomes this whole thing where again you you can offer him the world without actually having to offer him the world. They got, like I mean, from, they could have offered him an ownership stake. Who, like, who knows what yeah. is going mean, to come out when he's magic. done playing, right? Um, yeah, it, 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 specifically with Bale too. Like, when was Wales was last in the World Cup? I think in the '60s, maybe the '50s, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and he is the talent. Like, if there was ever a definition of a talismanic player, like he's it, right? He is Wales. He went to Real Madrid, took a huge contract, was there for years and years and years, won five Champions Leagues. Uh, but wasn't always part of the squad. Like you said, Ben, like the Spanish media hated him because they didn't think he took it seriously. And I, I think he went and then Ronaldo went right after him, right? So it was like this weird thing to begin with. But anyway, it's a guy that needed a change of scenery. And so, you know, maybe he already made all, all his money. He needed a place to play before the World Cup. So here he is. Uh, all that, that's a that's a long way around <laughs> trying to explain like why, why it is that he's here, or what it is that could have enticed him. Uh, to, ultimately time will tell what else was involved, if anything in this deal. Um, but goals into allocation disorder because they, they just make it seem like, yeah, everybody does this stuff. Everybody knows. 
uh, if you don't want this stuff to happen, get rid of the rules and take the training wheels off and people won't have to do this kind of stuff. But anyway, all right. Um, it, any other roster? I guess we talked about international slots. Any other like budget budget type stuff that we need to talk about before international slots? I don't think so. I think that was those are the kind of the main ones there. Okay. Like sorting through that the Tamgam U twenty two is is. I mean, if you have some kind of grasp of that, I mean, you might as well be Wilkins. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's why All they right, brought so in the Yankees. International roster slots, Ben. What do we got? <laughs> so. Uh, every team gets uh, seven uh, to start with. Um, I believe there was like a deal years back where one team permanently bought one from another team. I can't remember who it is, like Fire or Colorado. (laughs) It was like back before they decided like, no, everybody needs the same amount. But I think one team is hamstrung. Um, Mm. And I think it's seven. I should, that's the number. I I think, I think you are right. Yeah. Um, But you can trade them for like a year. Right. Yeah. So they're rentals basically. And so Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of teams like Nashville teams that tend to go or maybe even Philly teams that tend to go like uh, academy kids and and local hires just sell them. And the current average price is like Mm $250,000. LAFC has 11, I believe, this season. Um, Since we tend to go pretty heavy international there are a lot of deals made to acquire those. I believe we yeah, got one with yeah. Mark Anthony K trade. We tend to like bundle them. Um, but yes, from my understanding, there are 11 uh, currently. Um, okay. And we've used 10 of them that I know of. Got it. Um, it could be 11 because I believe Brian Rodriguez got his green card. Um, but I don't know if that like, immediately goes into effect or I if think it's that like it does i i, I okay. well that's a good i whether or not it goes all the way through the year it, it, you know the next transfer window you get it back or something i i'm unsure on that but yeah the green card i think that's like the one saving grace is you just need a green card you don't actually need a passport yeah right um but that's not exactly the the easiest process either uh despite like coming here and having like a job like that you do all the time. Like, yeah. anyway, we don't need to get into that. Um, so I, I don't know if you have this, if you don't, it's okay, but I would love to kind of go through the rest of the roster and kind of like point out some, some places where like, this is a player that is on Tam or Gam or you yeah. know, on some combination of the two. This is an international player. Just so everybody knows, like, cause I think it's, I think it's good to, uh, to realize like, Okay, Kellen Acosta has to perform because he is using this finite resource that LAFC has, right? Carlos Vela has to perform because he's using this roster spot. So anyway, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, uh, where where we are doing our best in terms of players who are outplaying their cost is our back line. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got... Let's see. What's the easiest way to sort of go? Do you want me to just like, should I list players or should I just sort of talk about the kind of high spenders that need to perform? The world is your aren't. oyster, Ben. Whatever you <laughs> want to do. Yeah, I've just, just got this spreadsheet that is like a thousand colors and it's like <laughs> overwhelming. Um, I'll go with what you were leading with. Uh, so okay. the like the, the good thing that Thorrington did this year that everyone was screaming about was we need to bring in some veterans. We need to bring in yeah. guys that know the league 
that play at a high level that are consistent and always ready. And, um, mm-hmm. and the guys that you'd mentioned, Kellen Acosta, Ilya Sanchez, which is like, seems like the deal of the season right now. Right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's getting like legitimate MVP talk, right? Yeah. Like he, and he well-deserved, like he's been incredible. Acquired on a free. Now he's making like 1.1 million and Acosta is making similar. So like both mm-hmm. of those guys are double the, top the most you can make in the salary cap so they're having to be bought down like half um but they're also playing every game and they're playing at a high level Um, they should be playing every game yeah exactly (laughs) and so then we bring in uh like bale and chiellini under similar statuses and so it's like i get chiellini won't be every game but you're bringing in two guys who are just legendary um yeah so those are the those are the higher paid players. I also, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Arango lately, but he's at actually, if I am sure about this number, his salary isn't absurd. Um, so the idea that we need to like ship him to free up money, it, there seems to be better ways to go about it. Yeah. Cause I don't right. think he's making much more than Tajiri Shradi, who's played two games. Like, so I think, from what Josh and I have heard, it's more of a he's looking for a bigger contract and they're not sure that they're going to give it to him. Right, yeah. Josh? I can yeah. see that. I mean, like, he's definitely outperformed what he's currently being paid. But the question is, does does his performance currently rise to the level of Carlos Vela? Right, because that, that is or your skill. I mean, probably above Brian Rodriguez. But at the same time, that's we haven't been happy with that performance, right? We, he's probably underperforming his money. So if anything, the guy that you would probably look to and hope that, you know, in terms of that DP level outside of your, your top end, it's can you reach Diego Rossi levels, right? You're on like a one, you know, what, $2 million deal, something along that line, and are you playing up to that? And he's probably pretty close, right? And again, that's why it makes it, that's why the discussion makes it really tough. But at the same time, you also don't have to do anything for at least a year, I believe. Yeah, the problem left. the problem for me with Chicho is you have this now that you brought in Bale. Like he's obviously a player that you're going to want to have the flexibility to sign to a DP contract. So if you if Arango is like at the point where he's it's either DP or I'm not going to play, which he doesn't seem like that kind of guy, but you never know. Um, and you sign him to a DP contract right now, you give him the bonus, whatever. And then you come to next year and Vela wants to stick around a little bit longer and you can't, you have to have like you, again, you have to have the U 22 DP. So you can't just like ship off Brian and then say, and then give Bale a contract because now your U 22s are counting at a different budget charge. So it just gets so complicated so fast. Yeah. Um, what you do see around the league <laughs> is there are a decent amount of DPs that you'll hear people, especially uh, Sam and Paul on, uh, on the podcast you mentioned earlier, uh-huh. uh, talk about how they can be bought down. So there's right, a lot of DPs right. on like pretty low level salaries, but they're still above the cap. And so it's some teams will just say, all right, we'll just make them a DP because it relieves our roster. But then if we do acquire a DP, then we'll just throw a bunch of like Tam or yeah. Gam or whatever they need to like buy them back down. So um, I and think I, like Rusnak is a guy like that where right, he's like right. low end DP. And then if 
the Sounders who are struggling lately need to get someone else, they can probably throw, I don't know, 500,000 or 750 and it, it buys him out of that role. Yeah. Uh, I have heard that Carlos is on a team friendly deal. It's like, I think it's like 6 million, but it's like 3 million this year and then 1.5 in each subsequent year. Um, so it could be possible to buy again. You're talking about 900 grand and funny money. Sure. But you sell you again, you sell a player here or there. You can, you can have that. And then you can keep Carlos around as a non DP DP, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, so it's, it's possible to keep everybody. Uh, and then theoretically you could buy down his contract, pay Chicho in real money. And all again, the finite resource that he's taking up is the DP spot at that point. But yeah, I think one thing that you brought up earlier that uh, is important to realize is that we've got a DP spot open, but we do have a guy that we've promised a DP spot to if we decide to keep him on. So mm -hmm. there is some. There's some complexities there if we do add a DP this summer is that come next summer, it becomes a choice of do we keep Brian, Vela, Bale, or new DP? Like which yeah. one of those has to go? And to all the complexities we talked about earlier, if it's Brian, then our U22s are an issue because we yeah. will then have three old DPs possibly. So. Right. Right. In my opinion, if we're getting a new person now, I think the two best options are you do like the one year Luis Suarez deal, have him join the super team, pay yeah. him a bunch of money for one year, prep him for World Cup. And then when it comes summer, he's gone and that spot's open again. Mm -hmm. Or you pick up a, another young DP, a promising player that either he or Brian shows form and is sold and we keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the, that's the danger that you get into, right? Everybody clamors for a new DP because it's open and we all want a new sign. We all want that spot filled, right? We all want the flashy name, but it's like, it does add so much complexity to what you're going to have to do next year. Um, Josh, what do you got on that? Well, and especially given given what we've seen from the top-end DPs, right? It almost makes sense, more sense, to bring in a young DP who doesn't have to perform to the level right away because yeah. you have Bale, because you have Chiellini at the moment playing on these team-friendly deals. Um, what you have that luxury of doing is have basically bringing in a young DP and then allowing them to develop, and you basically just play who's hot, him or Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Or Chicho, one of those three guys. You just let him fight it out for, for, um, for minutes. And obviously, when Bale rests, and there's 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 time to be had, you know. So you just kind of let, basically let Brian and and then and the new incoming DP fight, and then whoever, like you're saying, whoever performs better likely gets sold, and the one stays, or you know, or maybe you already have a plan in place to move Brian on. You know, like I'm I'm sure there's these different mechanisms there because. Obviously, you you likely if if Bill Bill Bale if Gareth Bale does perform, you do want to have that ADP spot available to him while still maintaining yeah. those those U twenty two spots because, like we were talking about earlier, 
having that ability to fill out the bottom end of the roster is so important when you compare it, you know, um, for, like I said, for the roster, because I think that just gives you so much more flexibility to bring in those, those, those MLS guys that truly win you cups, right? In, in, especially in absence of a fully developed academy system, right? That's going to, to give you an Obed Vargas, right? That can step in and start right. in place of a DB. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. I, there's two things there that I think you really hit uh, hit on well. Um, one is this idea of like now's the time. Now's the time that you can afford to have like kind of a speculative young DP. It's not like before where you had Rossi and Rodriguez or Rossi and Horta, and you didn't really have any other pieces around them. Like this team is so chock full of attackers, and we know that JT wants attackers. This is my second point. Like you can have a young attacking DP who's not exactly ready yet, or if he doesn't hit right away, it doesn't really matter because he's not going to replace Gareth Bale or Carlos Vela, right? So, I mean, at worst, he rides the bench until somebody leaves, and it's probably Rodriguez at that point. Um, and then and then he gets to play more. Um, but I, I, think, I think that's a, a smart move. And then you still have the U22 player that you can go out and sign. Again, if it's me, I'm probably signing a DP midfielder and using U22 spot on an attacker, but it is not me making the signing. (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like just looking across our roster, positionally, they're just the starting lineup is so strong, and we have pretty good depth on the front and back. But it would be it would be nice to get a, a DP midfielder that just creates everything. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ben, we've taken almost an hour of your time. Um, we appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else that you want to that you want to hit before you get out of here? Anything you want to plug? Whatever it is, we don't have a big show, so it's not worth all that much. But the, <laughs> no, I, again, I the floor is yours. Guys, I appreciate you guys hitting me up. I I really geek out on this stuff just because I think we've talked about before. Like people just start screaming out like why don't we sell this player? Why don't we buy this player? And it just right. it becomes so complicated and how to like fill the roster that it's not as simple as like sell Danny Musovsky and pick up, you know, uh, CR seven. Like it's just not, right, right. that's not yeah. how it works. Um, so I, I hope I answered or helped answer some Absolutely. questions. I'm, I'm sure I created way more questions, but I'm happy to, uh, I'm happy to chat online anytime. So I guess that would be my plug is feel free to hit me up on uh, the old Twitter at Sir Bensington. All right. You heard it from him. You can follow us at counter press underscore me at Kirk Kinsey, Josh. I'll see Josh on Twitter. All right. We'll talk to you all uh, probably tomorrow night after the match against Nashville, the revenge match for Walker Zimmerman. But we will talk to you all tomorrow night. See you.